Father Jonathan, how the heck are you? Deacon David, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there in the coronavirus. Yes, man. This is our age. This is the Easter of the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it continues to be weird. Right. Right. It ceases to become normal. It's never been quite normalized for me. I actually am concerned. Like the the idea of it becoming normal scares me, to be oh, honest. Yeah because it's so not and mm-hmm. there's a there's a something on twitter this morning about some church going to online mode as their primary focus it's like that's uh, really what? scary i don't know if they're catholic but just the idea of that is right, bizarre to right. me like i don't want that to happen right right yeah so what's interesting to me about this whole thing is that I, on the one hand, have been very grateful that we have shown that we are we are able to prioritize what's really important. So we can cancel sports because sports don't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, but we can we can do other things, you know, that are that are more important, like be with our families. Um, right, right. So on yeah, the one and that's hand, part been, of the beautiful thing that's come from all of this is that people right. are redis- rediscovering the family. Yeah, so like on the one hand, I'm very grateful for that. But then on the other hand, I do know that, okay, well, we should be able to come up with a vaccine for this thing and this should be able to end at some Mm -hmm. point. Um, I just have hope that at the end of this all, at the end of all of this, we can make good decisions about how to change, you know, some of the worst parts of our culture, you know, some of the worst parts of our society and do things a little bit different, perhaps, than what we're used to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I hope that as well. I don't know that it'll be. Yeah, I don't know really what I'm trying to say. Um, we need to keep our expectations reasonably low. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. it's not yeah, going to yeah, yeah. be. You know, everybody's cured, and now we live in a utopia. Right, uh, right, right. So anyway, so it's kind of. I mean, we were we were talking like four weeks ago about this being a very strange Lent, and now we're talking about it being a very strange Easter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, sure, it'll be a very strange ordinary time, and God forbid, maybe even a very strange Advent uh, coming up. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm just kind of trying to make my way through the grind of the semester uh, without very with very little motivation to do yeah. much of the work that yeah. I still have to do. You know, that's something I hadn't thought about until just now. You know, we've got all of those really great, really theological feasts after Pentecost. Right. You know, Corpus Christi. Um, Trinity. Trinity. All of that is is coming up. And I think, I think that'll make for some pretty interesting homilies. You know, how do we wrestle with these very real, tr- I mean, the East, the resurrection is a very real and central thing for our faith, but all of these other things are kind of explanations of, of the mysteries. And so yeah, how, how yeah. will all of this stuff inform the way that we now speak about the Holy Trinity or the body and blood mm. of, of Jesus? Well, I think what will particularly be interesting is with Corpus Christi, right? Is that that's been the highlight for a lot of Catholics is that they can't receive communion. And right, so right. How are we going to, how are you going to preach on Corpus Christi uh, about the importance of the body and blood of Christ and receiving the Eucharist when people are currently not able to. So yeah, that'll make for an interesting, that was actually going to be um, before the ordination date was changed. Uh, that was going to be my first, first, uh, first mass was going to oh, be Corpus really? Christi. Oh, yeah. that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, so how about that third Sunday of Easter yesterday? How about you uh, tell me what you preached on? <laughs> well, I didn't preach. Um, no? No, we are alternating um, week to week because so, we only mm-hmm. do one video. Oh, okay. Um, so I didn't, and I have to go back and think about what I want. What, what was? I, oh, Emmaus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm trying I preached. to think of what. Oh, well, tell me about that. <laughs> I so I did a homily yesterday in the house. Oh, so we rotate on Sunday. So I get one Sunday a month. I get a couple of uh-huh. weekdays a week, but um, I get one Sunday a month. And yesterday was me. Um, and I got to tell you, man, I was really happy with it, and I was really, I was actually kind of moved to more depth of reflection afterwards after having preached on it. it kind of made me want to return to the text more in depth. Um, I really focused on the dynamic of sight. Cause uh-huh. he, so there's the, their eyes were prevented and uh-huh. eventually becomes, they were able to recognize, um, and how everything that was in between those two thinking about that as sort of like an inclusion is that everything that comes between the lack of sight and the sight moves you from the first to the second. Mm. And so how the conversation with Jesus, the opening of the scriptures and ultimately the breaking of the bread are the process by which we come to have mm-hmm. a change of heart and also an opening of our eyes. Mm. So it was kind of a meditation on that of what does conversion look like? Conversion for the Christian is one where our eyes go from being dimmed to being opened. And that happens in conversation with Jesus in reading the scriptures in receiving the Eucharist. Like that's, that's true conversion for us. Yeah. Um, mm, I like that. Anyway, it was cool. It was a good, I, I thought it was a really good uh, reflection uh, and I got some good feedback, which is good too. Very cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah, so this upcoming Sunday that we have what I think the church probably is going to call Good Shepherd Sunday. I don't really know when they decide to call things what, but this is <laughs> the gospel is at the least the Good, the good Shepherd. Shepherd. Yeah, yeah, and then sometimes they call it Good Shepherd Sunday where you do you ask you ask the kid that you see at church who's really good at altar serving if he's ever thought about being a priest. This is, <laughs> is that what this that's is, for? <laughs> this is this is that Sunday. Yes, um, <laughs> I know that because it was asked of me many times, many oh. years. Uh, Hey, you, you go to church and you're a man. Are you interested in being a priest? <laughs> oh, yes, out. I am actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out asking that question is actually pretty helpful. Uh, Ooh, weird. Got me thinking about it. Um, yeah, so we got John 10, man. What do you, uh, I love this passage and I, uh-huh. I imagine that it's going to be good fodder for a homily, but it's also one of those kind of repetitive images that we can tend yeah. to forget how to, yeah. be, how to be new with it. You know, I'm reminded of, your first year of the novitiate, my second year, when the assistant novice master told us about his experience um, living and working in Australia for a couple of months. Okay. When he got to know sheep a little bit, like oh, to see yeah, them yeah, and yeah. to talk to them. And the sure. first thing that he said was, I never realized how dumb they are. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll just wander off. <laughs> <laughs> And so it really put an interesting spin on a lot of these, you know, Jesus is the shepherd, we are the sheep. Like, well, what are you getting at there, Jesus? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. But I think there's some truth. I I think there's really some truth there because we are dumb. (laughs) And like, we really just don't get it a lot of the time. And when we think we do, we're usually the furthest away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of that Oracle at Delphi moment. Um, With Socrates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think you're the wisest, that's when you're the furthest away. Right. True right, wisdom right, right. is knowing that you know nothing. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, um, 
So, okay, so I, I do like that. And I think maybe that could help uh, dovetail into what I was thinking about too. So one, one of the things that came up in the gospel is, um, so he's using this image. And what I thought was really interesting is at the end of the first major stanza, he says, uh, John says, although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. Mm-hmm. So basically like, you're not getting it. Uh, I'm I'm using this figure of speech and you're not getting it. How else can I say it to you? So then he says, so then the Latin, the next line, so Jesus said again, and then he continues by repeating himself. So it's Jesus, the teacher talking yeah. to some very heart of heart or hard headed mm-hmm. um, Pharisees. Dumb right? sheep. <laughs> yeah. Dumb sheep. It also reminded me of, so in the, in the passage we had yesterday from Emmaus, um, one of the things that I was struck by is that Jesus, after they all tell him, what had happened in Jerusalem, Jesus said, how foolish you are. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a clear correction that comes from the master when we're acting foolish. And he he's not mm-hmm. afraid to tell us when we're being dumb, you know? Um, you see that here, you see that in Emmaus, and I think it kind of gets to your point that sheep is not yeah. just a rosy image, you know? It even goes back to um, Thomas, I think, that kind of my the point that I tried to make was yeah, you know, Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing, but here I am. Here are the wounds in my hands. Touch them. Right. Heal them. Right. Like, yeah, you're not going to yeah. get it, but I'm still here for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. So, yeah. So, Jesus, the good shepherd is one image, but then us as the sheep is mm-hmm. another image that's probably good is that how does a shepherd deal with his sheep? It's not, I think part of it is, I mentioned sort of a rosy image, I think for a lot of us. Maybe Jesus as a shepherd is very romantic and we're the sheep and we think about Luke 15 being found and yeah. you know, we wander <laughs> off. But there's kind of an indictment here of the disciples being hard of head, you know, hard headed and being, you know, slow to understand. Um, and maybe there's a good spiritual lesson there for a homily of what is the Lord trying to teach me that I am refusing to try and listen to understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that at least speaks to the way that I felt about our first reading from Acts, you know, when when Peter steps up and proclaims that uh, not only did God make Jesus Lord and Christ, but this Jesus whom you crucified, and then they were cut mm-hmm. to the heart. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Man, like, you know, it's kind of a throwaway line almost. It doesn't get a whole lot of, we don't really talk about that very often, even though it's constant. I mean, for the last couple of weeks, Peter's been telling people that, look, you killed this man. <laughs> right, um, right. But I don't know that that being cut to the heart really comes in, at least for me, it doesn't come into my into my imagination or to my prayer very often. Right. Uh, you know, it kind of, so, so maybe let's develop that a second. So I think what's cool about that line is that to cut to the heart, not cut the heart. Right, yeah. But cut to the heart. It so breaks it open. It breaks, well, so... I, I was focusing less on how the heart is affected and how, like, to reach the heart, you have to cut through a lot of garbage. Yeah. You have to cut through a lot of barriers. You have to cut through a lot of ignorance, a lot of stubbornness, a lot of hard-heartedness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going mm-hmm. back to your image of the of the sheep, it's like the stubbornness of ignorance, the stubbornness of refusing to follow the shepherd, the stubbornness yeah. of my stupidity, all of that gets cut through, you know, that the good news cuts through that to get to my heart. Um, you know, like yeah, a lance pierces yeah. the side of Christ, like the good news cuts through all of my, of course, through all of my sin, but also through my ignorance, through my stubbornness, through my, 
you know, whatever, whatever it is, my humanity in the worst possible sense, mm-hmm. um, cut through that. So the good news of Jesus cuts through that and gets to us. Like there's a lesson here of, of Jesus as a good teacher, you know, that the truth will set you free, but like, let me save you. Let me cut yeah. to the heart. Let me liberate you from your, from well, your ignorance and from your stupidity and from your sin. Ultimately. Yeah, that's so good. I really, and I think it also is saying something else that we rarely think about that our hearts are good. Mm. And all Jesus wants is for them to be open, for those layers to be peeled back so that we can yeah. finally reveal um, the beauty there that the Holy Spirit has given us these wonderful gifts. Right, right. Because um, so often I think we we demonize people, you know, just looking at scriptures, the Pharisees and, you know, the Romans and all these people that did the bad things. It's like, oh, well, they're just, you know they just got what they deserve or they just, you know, they're terrible people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, right. Right. They're wonderfully created in the image and likeness of God. <laughs> There's just a lot of stuff there in the way, in the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so another great image that you're going to get to, I guess, at the end of acts is, uh, the conversion of St. Paul, or mm-hmm. I guess, you know, in a few chapters, not that much further. And the great image there that connects back to maybe the Luke, uh, account of Emmaus if conversion is about opening our eyes, mm-hmm. think about how St. Paul's conversion led to the falling of scales from his eyes. Yeah, well, he that was struck blind. <laughs> he was struck, yeah, great. So he was struck blind, and then something had to fall from his mm-hmm. eyes. It was almost as if he was wearing yeah. something to cover his eyes from the truth, you know? Um, like, there's great grounds here for, the, the the soil is really tilled for a conversation around spiritual blindness, obstinance, you know, uh, stubbornness, all that that can get in the way of cutting to the heart that Jesus wants to get to, you know, so that like, what is it? The image here of the sheep and hear my voice and they recognize me. It's how deaf are we? Because yeah. we're not tuning our ears. Our ears are plugged up, you know, with all kinds of, of garbage, you know, that doesn't allow us to hear the word of the shepherd. Yeah. There's, you know, it's a shame that a lot of people will say things like, Oh, well, God is not calling me or, something like that. And it's like, well, no, God calls each and every one of us. Are we listening? Yeah. Are yeah. our ears or eyes open? And right. that's a beautiful image that, you know, that goes throughout all of the scriptures. You know, God is not in the big earthquake, but in, but the in the still, still small. the still small voice. Yeah. Are we able to hear that? Mm-hmm. Or are we only mm-hmm. looking for the big signs for God to come down and cure coronavirus, for God to come down and to take care of all of my problems? Right. Right. So I want to just emphasize briefly one of the things that I, I highlighted a lot in this gospel that I really like is the tenderness of the shepherd. Um, so the gatekeeper opens uh, the door, uh, knows the sheep by name, mm-hmm. um, goes ahead of them so that they can follow. They recognize his voice. And there's just a lot of great images there of how Jesus works with us, that he goes ahead of us. He doesn't just send us out into the wilderness alone. Mm-hmm. You know, He opens the path for us. He is the door for us. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot there of how Jesus is a shepherd that cares for his sheep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm struck by that. And so just to be thinking again about that age-old question that we like to preach on is, who is this Jesus that we're believing in? Mm-hmm. Who is this Jesus that's bringing us life? It's it's not one who from on high tells us what to do. It's a Jesus that goes ahead of us. You know, He went ahead of them and they followed him. Yeah. Tell me what you think about this. This just kind of came up in my own imagination. How do we feel about our own pride, our own sin, 
being that stranger, that thief, that thief and that robber that we've got to, in a sense, ignore, um, or defeat. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really quite sure what I'm trying to say with this, but. So Jesus uh, says, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, and he later says that he's the gate. So yeah. whoever does not enter through me, but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. Yeah. You know, so there's only one mediator between God and men, and that's Jesus Christ. Right. And if you're not being mediated by Christ, then what else could it possibly be but a thief or a robber trying to, you know, to plunder the the good things of God? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's what I'm guessing at. I mean, it could be us. We could be our own worst enemy. You well, know? yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of especially pride as be, as being, you know, the big the big sin that, it, you know, it's, it becomes when I think that I am the one that opens the gate or I am the one that mm-hmm. leads me through or that I am the one that does X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, and I'm, I'm an active agent. Like I do a lot, but I'm not the one that is the cause of my own salvation. Sure. No, that's good. And it's, that's good. It's folly to think, to think so. Right. Well, my pride will often tell me that I don't need to go through anyone else. Like right? I'm sufficient, you know? Right. Um, really quick. Uh, I remember now, uh, this homily that my pastor, when I was a kid, uh, preached on this gospel and he said something that I thought was really interesting. It stayed with me ever since he said this imagery, or maybe it was somebody else later, but, uh, this image of Jesus being the gate, what that means apparently in the ancient world, whenever they were going to go to bed and going to go to go to sleep, the, and, and the shepherd was out with the sheep, you'd find a cave to keep the sheep in overnight. And he would lay across the entrance of the cave. Oh. That's what it means for him to say that he's the gate for the sheep. So he is the one who guards the cave mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that the wolves can't come in. I like that. Well, and and then it also brings up the imagery of, of the tomb. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, of us entering into that tomb and being being there and him being the one that guards us, keeps us safe. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. In the darkness. Um, yeah, one last uh, one last thing for me that I would just point out as something that you could possibly preach on. I don't really know if I'd want to, but <laughs> so in John in John six we have the great Eucharistic discourse, and then uh-huh. John ten we have the the encounter with Jesus and the Good Shepherd. And so the end of this part where Jesus says, uh, John says, although Jesus used a figure of speech, the Pharisees didn't understand. So Jesus said again. So John makes it clear that here he's using a figure of speech. And the Pharisees didn't understand, so Jesus reiterated by shifting the metaphor, elaborating on the metaphor. Uh-huh. Contrast that with what happens in John 6, which is, mm. he never says this is a figure of speech. Yeah, The Pharisees and the disciples did not understand, and Jesus didn't clarify. Hmm. He doubled down. Yeah. You know? So there's kind Ooh. of a good catechesis there yeah, yeah, of, yeah. The, of the Eucharist, of what's going Some on in Eucharist, John 6. Yeah. I like that a lot. So, yeah. So that's it for me. What do, what do you got? Any parting thoughts? Um, no, just, I mean, a lot of really cool things that I don't know are going to be able to make, to make their way into a homily. Like I love first Peter. Like it's such a great letter. Oh um, yeah. An under red letter. Under, absolutely. Like this, this one really speaks to our time. I think if you are patient when you suffer for doing what is good, this is a grace before God. Like how, how often do we consider our sufferings to be graces. Hardly ever. I don't, at least. Yeah, very rarely. Um, yeah. But like, and especially now when people are suffering, <laughs> um, 
are we looking for graces to be found there? I don't know. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good question. Maybe that's something we can pray on as we prepare mm-hmm. for Sunday. Yeah. As you're saying, though, like it's hard to fiddle all this stuff in a yeah. homily. Like, yeah. It all becomes kind of disparate ideas. Um, hard to synthesize it. But no, that's what the rest of the week is for, is to figure out yep. how to write this into a homily. So I shouldn't have a homily just of non sequiturs? Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this yesterday. Independent like, sentences. <laughs> yeah. I tweeted about this yesterday. I was thinking about how I sort of tongue-in-cheek said, Lord, deliver me from the desire to to preach on every cool idea mm. I have about the gospel. Yeah, I think I like um, that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Thank you. All right, man. Till next time. All right. We'll see you later. All right, dude. Peace. Peace.